We are here with Christopher Skinner. He is the founder and principal of Schoolhouse, beauty's think tank and creative agency, specializing in cut-through strategy, engaging creative and immersive environments for the world's most in-demand beauty brands. I love the sound of all of this. Select clients include Dennis Gross, La Mer, Tata Harper, Elemis, Mac, Bear Minerals, and Joanna Check. I'm so excited to talk to him. You ready to do this? Let's do it. Okay, so Chris, a few months ago, we were talking about having you back on the show, and the episode theme was going to be, so you want to start a brand. I was very excited about that theme, but launching now or in the second half of 2020 is going to be a lot different than it would have been a few months ago, because the world has been turned upside down. Can you tell us about how the global crisis has affected what you do at Schoolhouse? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, like everyone, we've really found ourselves having um, new challenges thrown our way. Um, so in terms of our own business, you know, we've had shifts in projects, shifts in um, payment negotiations, um, but we are continuing to really fight to keep everyone fully staffed, our team at base salary, everyone working safely, remotely. Um, and you know, we're, we're also finding ourselves really re-examining Schoolhouse. And I, I think each brand is really doing that on their own. You know, what are we really offering? What is our real structure that's going to help us evolve? Um, so that when we're out of this, we're completely evolved and we're much stronger. And I think each brand is really taking a step back as we all have a little bit of extra time on our hands to um, do some of that powerful thinking. Uh, and, you know, on our own, it's the first time we've ever really treated ourselves as a client, which is more challenging than you think. Yeah. So when you say, when you think what, you know, reimagine what is Schoolhouse, it's you're looking at your brand as like, what do we have to offer clients? Like kind of like, what are we made of? Exactly. It's sort of, you know, from a, a culture and values perspective, mm. you start, things start to become more clear in terms of what you're really truly made of, what the team is truly made of. But then also what's also important right now, because to be honest, what was important six months ago in our personal lives and our professional lives are now completely different. And so what our value add is a little bit different. And so you're plugged in with all these amazing clients and you bring that expertise, but Schoolhouse also knows what consumers are doing right now. I mean, that's why people come to you. So I wanted to ask you about that a little bit. Um, you probably know this. Leonard Lauder did the term lipstick index years ago, talking about how when the economy is in a bad place, Everybody is buying lipstick. So from your perspective, how do you feel like consumers' relationship with beauty will be going forward in 2020 and 2021? Are we all going to be buying lipstick? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, first of all, I, I've heard about this lipstick effect ever since I started you know, on the sales floor. And it really is true. And it speaks to you know, the powerful psychological side of beauty, you know, that powerful confidence boost that we often hear about. And we all know that beauty has a great role in, in restorative uh, behaviors. So, you know, a little bit of lipstick, not just for the Zoom call, but for ourselves goes a long way. I think what's different now is, you know, really lipstick is out. So lipstick effect is getting a little bit of a rebrand on its own. And really <laughs> what we're seeing is it's all about, you know, that third part of the face that's not covered by a mask. And so it's, you know, the eyeliners, the mascara, um, you know, skincare products, 
Uh, and we're also seeing new things coming out that we haven't really heard about a lot. You know, body products, body oils, uh, home scents, home care, hair color. You know, these are categories that existed, but they've never been as powerful of a conversation. I'm sure we've all seen the memes of hair color and hair dries coming out. And, you know, this is like the first time that has been a big majority player in the beauty conversation. Yeah. And how do you think your clients and other brands are going to be evolving with all of these new changes to the way we consume beauty? What's their response to the crisis been so far? And what do you expect it to be? You know, I think if you think about it, like the lipstick effect, as I mentioned, it's really always been about that psychological side. But now we're really seeing like a health side to beauty. You know, Mm -hmm. we've all lived through the loud battle cry of health over economy. And, you know, that has really permeated politics. It's permeated our streets. Um, And so I think health, wellness will be a supercharged theme walking out of this. Um, And even now we're seeing like figures in telemedicine and virtual health are just really striking in how much they've grown. So you work with brands, you know, across a lot of different touch points, uh, product packaging, web design, in-store displays. Are there areas right now in your business that you feel are more critical? And if so, how are you going to be guiding your clients in these areas? I'm just thinking about, you know, maybe last year, let's say you had a client, you may be guiding them towards something experiential in-store design because it was all about like splashy openings at Neiman's or Nord, you know, Nordstrom's in-store, you know, high touch experiences. Now, that's not the way forward at all. Exactly. I mean, you know, if you think about the big two things that we do, it's 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 brand building or rebrand building, and then it's store experience. And when it comes to the brand building piece, so much of the past five years, we've seen brands take on personalities, personas that then draw communities and characters. And I think the big change now is branding will be so much about values over attitude. You know, it's We've seen brands and consumers want to know how are you handling the health and financial well being of your people? Yeah. You know, how are you getting involved? How are you, you know, being strong and and taking charge to take care? And we've seen incredible brands like, you know, Dove is a great example. They put together in three to four days their courage is beautiful, shining that spotlight on healthcare workers, you know, and, and alongside that, making the donations. And, you know, the values of brands over the attitude and personas when it comes to a branding perspective, I think is going to be really, really big. Mm-hmm. Um, and those values then start to permeate into, you know, different touch points like packaging, et cetera. Um, mm. And I also think, you know, one lesson I learned a long time ago is there's power in saying, I don't know. And <laughs> the brands that have really come out on social media and say, we don't know what you want to hear. What do you want from us? That has been such a huge, powerful thing because we think of these brands sort of being leaders. And I think often as leaders, we think we have to have all the answers, but actually saying, we don't know what do you want from us is a very powerful thing. And I've loved seeing that sort of vulnerability out there. Yeah. So instead of being quick to act and, you know, making some kind of splashy statement, just actually saying to their customers, we're not sure how to act in this time. You think that's okay? 
I think it's beautiful. I mean, I think yeah. it, it adds a sense of vulnerability. I mean, I think the big thing is it's all real. We're all experiencing it at the same time and pretending that we're not is just going to set you back. Yeah. It's community too, because you always talk about how building a community with customers is important. But like if you bring them in on the dialogue, that's like a ready-made community, right? Exactly. I mean, we, we, we can't sit back and pretend that we know what people want to see. We've never experienced this before as a group of people. So, you know, just because we're a brand, we're still people at the heart of it. And we it's okay to say, like, what do you want from us? Yeah, yeah I always think about how, um, you know, I always think of business. You know, when you think of the word business, you think of, like, money. And just, like, just in the images, you think of money or buildings or, you know, mm-hmm. just, like, it's this very kind of cold word. But at the end of the day, business is people. Like, you know, your, your schoolhouse, but, like, you're Chris. You know, like, it's yeah, business exactly. is people. <laughs> So, yeah, so it's just a person-to-person communication at the end of the day. So, yeah, it really is a conversation. So that's interesting. Maybe businesses, I do see a lot of beautiful things coming out, like Dove, you know, they're brilliant. They had a smart message, but uh, maybe it's best to sit and wait and actually think before you act um, in this time if you're a business. Or, yeah, open up and say, I'm, I'm not quite sure how to act. Exactly. And I think it's okay to ask for some guidance from your community base. You know, we don't always have to know everything. And, you know, in the past five years, we've done that beautifully in terms of product development, but now it's happening in terms of content creation. Yeah. Um, So also in the past few years, there's been a lot of excitement in the indie world. Now, the indie world just by nature, you know, it's challenged because it's just a couple of people or one person trying to, you know, make the impossible happen. It's, it's, you know, built on like a dream. What do you think the specific challenges are going to be in 2020? Because now, I mean, they're kind of like against all odds. Yeah. Do we think there's going to be development in that space? I think, look, we're always hearing all of these quotes about these always warrant the best ideas and the greatest Mm -hmm. innovations come out of struggle. And, And then we also have follow-up articles of like, it's okay not to do a lot, you know? So it's confusing for all of us at home. Should we be productive or can we, you know, sit on the couch? Silence is beautiful. Boredom is healthy. What are you doing? (laughs) But I, I think, you know, I think it's important, first of all, like small brands, big brands, this is hard for everyone. You know, we can sit back and think like, oh, the heritage brands have it figured out. Um, but in, you know, they're also housing hundreds of thousands of employees, you know, just because they're big, doesn't mean that it's easier. And just because you're small, doesn't mean it's more challenging. Um, I can say being an owner of a small business, it's hard. And I think the sad thing is we're going to see a lot of independent brands sort of suffer through this time period. Um, Mm -hmm. the kind of cool thing is our people are sitting at home pondering their purpose. And so, you know, I think people of a variety of backgrounds, are going to come out and they're going to come out strong with new ideas or reborn ideas. And, you know, I think credibility also is going to be super important. And, you know, this idea of, again, health and the health of my body, the health of my skin, you know, I think is going to have a resounding effect in clinical brands, medicinal brands, clean, sustainable brands. So I think we will see, you know, excitement, but I think the way that they're born and the reasoning why will be much more profound. You mentioned the clinical brands and um, er- subsectors of beauty that'll be ripe for innovation and development right now would be those focused on wellness. What are some other areas in the beauty industry that you think are ripe for more innovation and development? 
when I think about it, I, I really want to know what's happening with devices and tools. I mean, I think we have like mm. certain select ones, but like, where's Tweezer Man right now? Like, <laughs> that's that. Like, they should be like leading the conversation, you know, because they yeah. can cover you literally head to toe. So, like, you know, when it comes to tools and those types of brands, like, I really would love to see it pushed. But then also in devices, I mean, we've been hearing about devices for so long, but we've yet to have that like Fitbit of skincare or the Fitbit of body care come out. You're so um, right. You're so, so right. I would love to, you know, see us move beyond LED masks, but kind of think about, you know, this in a holistic way, obviously, wellness, like mood stabilizers, we're seeing that in, in its own just booming right now. But I think the, um, the net is not cast as wide right now. Um, and so, you know, would love to get some more maybe medicinal brands born out of ingestibles or vitamins uh, to kind of go up against the moon juices of the world. Yeah. And that indie area was where we saw so much excitement for the past couple of years. And I feel like a lot of large, um, more established brands were sort of chasing after it and being like, me too, newness, I have something also. Um, but going forward, things are going to be changing. How do you think that a large brand can get attention in the beauty industry now and in the future without like a complete rebrand or trying to be something they're not? Yeah. I mean, I think when you're when you're large, like going through a rebrand, it's, it's extremely daunting. It's scary. You know, you've even a packaging redesign, it just has, you know, years of development and, you know, amounts of stock. So it, it's, it's a hard and scary thing to go up against. I think it's, it, the first is really standing behind community, standing behind the well-being of your community and, and really being a strong driver for resilience. And, you know, I was reading an article the other day that was talking about like, this is one of the biggest challenges since World War II. And in the wake of World War II, everyone asks, you know, what did you do during the war? And I think about our battle right now, that's going to be asked of businesses and mm. businesses need to be asking that of themselves right now. What did we do? What did we do for our people? What did we do for our community? And I think we need to stop thinking and putting this cliche of the new normal on this because it's, it's not a time to necessarily be normal. You know, it's a time right. to really mm -hmm. break out and try. And as industries, we love putting ourselves in boxes boxes. And we think that consumers know about markets and launch cadences and seasons when in actuality they don't. And so it's okay to break it open a little bit yeah. and, and not think of this as the new normal and, and retrofitting in, but kind of how do we respond and react? Um, but in whatever, whatever you're doing, make it worth it because value and the worth of things are really going to come to play as our economy uh, begins to recover. That's interesting. So not just try to like push through and accept it and, and move forward, but now like really challenge yourself to think, to, to step it up during this time. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's great and beautiful seeing brands having, you know, happy hour Zoom parties and all of that. But like, we have to, we have to move beyond. We have to really think how, how are the, the things that we're doing today having a better effect on everyone around us? Um, and that is the power of brand and brand building right now. And yeah. these larger brands, it's about the reach and their ability to reach and have an mm -hmm, echoing right. effect to a greater audience. They have the advantage of being big. Yeah, they have an advantage of, of reaching out and giving confidence to a lot of people. Right. Yeah. Like they already have what so many brands would kill for, which is that that built in audience. So they're a step ahead. And how can they really yeah. be of service at this point? So you are... You know, you work with so many different brands, but you really do have 
a strong um, foothold in skincare, and you personally are skincare obsessive. Um, you <laughs> obsessed. worked with La Mer, Dr. Gross, Malin and Getz. Um, those are just a few. What are your predictions in terms of trends in the space, whether it's design, ingredient stories? I remember a couple of years ago, you said to me, uh, I don't remember if it was on the podcast or if this was just in private, everyone wants to be the new drunk elephant or the next drunk elephant. Yeah, yeah the drunk elephant effect. Um, or the Fenty effect. I mean, we hear about it so often. Um, I mean, I, I think, as I mentioned before, I feel like the clinical Durham brands are really going to take stage. And, and we already saw this sort of sense of authority swinging back. Um, but I think it's going to be, you know, pushed even further. We're, we, we've started partnering with a young brand called Acoderma. And, and they're in this like clinical Durham space, but it's actually a blend. It's It's the blending of stories. So it's like, they're biologists, but they're also environmentalists and they're also humanitarians. And they blend all of that into what they do versus here's our product on one side and then here's our sustainability position on the other. It's like everything they do comes out of this blend. And so I think the more that we start to see that, and yes, it's a little bit easier to do that you know, from the ground up. Um, but the more we start to see that, I think it's just going to create better, better, better or more profound brand statements. Um, but then also I think, you know, in skincare services, like aesthetic procedures in a heyday kind of style, I could see starting to come. Um, and I also think body care might finally be having its day. Really? Finally? I, I feel like it because I mean, I don't know about you, but like I have a little more time at home. So my body's getting more <laughs> attention. Um, so I'm hydrated head to toe right now uh, versus our first podcast together. So I, I feel like it might have its ability. And, but again, like there's not a lot of brands out there facilitating body care um, in a beautiful way. Or so. making it fun and innovative and whatever. It's like, okay, you just got another lotion. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I think like Americans, I think we just, we're just like not into it. I don't know if it's, we don't want to wait for it to absorb. We just like, we, we want to go, go, go yeah. and just get dressed. Americans do not want to wash their legs. That is, that's, <laughs> that's the stake in the ground I'm putting on this podcast. We wash only from the half up. And that is it. I've actually seen studies where they do like an infrared kind of like the spots that people focus on in the shower and the differences <laughs> between men and women. It's actually appalling. Like, <laughs> you know, it's just you don't want to know what spots we're missing. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> OK, so as you're sitting down with these brands um, and you're having these these chats, I would love to be, hear the inner monologue in your brain, Chris, as people are talking. You must hear, like when Jen and I meet with brands, a lot of the same marketing stories over and over again. Now, Jen and I, I have to say, we're not being mean, but we have a, we have a little giggle because it's the same thing over and over again. I couldn't find anything to treat my rosacea. I tried 45,000 mm -hmm. things. Or my grandmother whipped up this recipe and on her dying day, she put this in my pocket. <laughs> And now I cook it up every Sunday night and I sell it at the market. Like it, it's the same like four cliche stories. What are you tired of hearing? Well, first of all, I'm really trying to change those stories before they even get to you. So hopefully <laughs> it's called flattening the curve. Okay. We're going to flatten the curve before it gets your way of the stories. Um, no, I mean, I look, I, I think there, you know, we're all on one earth. We all have the same, the earth has, has what it has. Um, so <laughs> clearly not enough rosacea creams. <laughs> yeah, clearly not. Um, so, 
I think that the stories are always personal and they really help us set the stage for the longevity and success. I will say the one story that I don't like hearing is mine works and theirs doesn't, Mm. you know, Hmm. it just, it doesn't, it doesn't, it has to come from a personal place, you know, really has to be a human story that creates a brand foundation. And, um, you know, it's just like literature or, or theater, like, there can be adaptations of the same story and it can be as profound and have a very different lasting effect on you than the previous adaptation. And I think that's important in our industry. You know, this is about, you know, the, the confidence that we're giving people, but also it's about changing people and the story that comes along with that has an ability to create that change. What would make those early conversations more productive though? Like, so you have a a new client come in, what should they already have going for them? And then what should they leave to you in schoolhouse to help them with? You know what I mean? Just to sort of streamline that process. Right. I mean, I think it always goes back to that power of why. Um, you know, this is why, why, why am I doing this? And why, you know, why this? So if they know that you then can help them execute. Exactly. And, and look, that might come through in different ways. Like in terms of what I do on a day-to-day basis, it's not because I like Adobe programs. It's because, (laughs) you know, I, I love helping people and I love being there for people. And so, you know, I'm doing that in the way that I have an expertise and skill set to do. But that reason of like, I'm here to help, that is what creates a connection. And then yes, there's services and all of that. But it's the why that really makes a profound impact on people. Yeah. So Chris, what was a compelling why? Because I'm sure a lot of the brands are just like, why? Because I love my product or because I know this is going to, you know, help people's dermatitis or whatever. Like what, what was a why that did it for you? I think, you know, one of the most powerful whys always comes back to, we're actually working on a, a, on a, with an indie brand right now, and I can't mention who they are, but the founder, she saw what her product had done for her mother through um, cancer treatment and the confidence that it gave her and the ability to feel beautiful when you feel, when in actuality your body, you know, feels like it has never felt before. And it wasn't so much about the formulation or the color, but it was what it meant to her mother and then in turn what it meant to her. And she she was able to take that story and spin it into a variety of, you know, alternative stories, like those that have a fear of interviewing or are not able to interview or get nervous or have, you know, a, a fear of public speaking and so that fearlessness and that ability to um, provide a product that allows them to go out and conquer. I really loved that story. And, and it's not a story we haven't heard before, but it came from such a powerful place. She herself doesn't come from beauty. And so it just felt like there was a real reasoning of, you know what, I feel like I have to do this right now. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm sure you've seen uh, for myself, as a small business owner, I've kind of like fallen into this like small business activist role as we've been going through a lot sure. of financial challenges, et cetera. You know, this is, I'm not a politician, I'm not an activist, but it, something happened to me in representation of what I felt was happening to so many others. And I felt I needed to stand up and talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's fantastic. You know, I think, you know, it's not like, oh, your story is so different, but it's the standing up and talking about it that I think makes the difference. 
And it goes back to what you said about businesses really being people at the bottom line. Like we can't just think of you as a small business. You're a person behind a small business. And that's why activism makes sense in a way. Exactly. Right. And just to just to put this into context, you're talking about um, your the small business loans um, as a result of this whole COVID horror show. You um, stood up for this uh people who basically got screwed by the uh Bank of America policy, right? Exactly. And and it's and it's a continuing struggle for a lot of small businesses and you know, being in New York and knowing a lot of people, you're sort of like I'll figure this out, I'll find a way. But it's really about those that are, you know, struggling that don't know who to turn to, where to turn, don't have the bandwidth to even, you know, turn to someone else. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what's powerful and it, and it just parlays itself right back into beauty because, you know, these might be stories that we hear time and time again, I'm experiencing something hundreds of thousands of others are experiencing as well, but that doesn't mean that my story can't create a resounding effect. And so I say for those that have that story that maybe feel like they fall into that same trap, your story can be personal to yourself. It's just, it has to come through your voice and through your tone and it's okay to stand up and want to tell that story. We love that transparency. I think our listeners really responded to it too, because you sort of like let us see behind the curtain of how this all works, both you as a business person, but also the beauty industry. So they loved when you came on last time, and we actually have a lot of listener questions for you. So if you don't mind, I love it. We'll let you help some other people since you're such a good helper. Okay. So first up from our listener, Callie, do you think a new beauty retail store could be successful in the current market? And I think she means like brick and mortar retail mm-hmm. as compared to an online or direct to consumer? Is that the best way to go now? Yeah. Well, I think the question is worded perfectly, a new beauty retail store, because I think coming back to what we had been doing just won't work successfully. Um, Obviously, right now, online direct to consumer, you know, this is what's working. um, And we're seeing an average or that average uh, e-commerce spend going up. But brand building is an ecosystem. You know, it's about balance and interactivity. And retail will always play a role in this. So I would love to see more, you know, partnerships. And I think, unfortunately, we're going to have a lot of empty storefronts when we all bounce back from this. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I'm a huge believer in creating the opportunity you want for yourself. So if you want to be in retail, don't wait for retailers, you know, become a retailer yourself, band together with other, you know, with other like minds. Who's to say like Drunk Elephant can't like band together with three other, you know, shared valued brands and like become a retailer their own in their own Mm -hmm. way. We don't all have to have our own, you know, our own storefront. It's a cool idea. So I I think yes. Okay. So this question comes from Liz. Moving on to design, which is something we know that you are um, obsessed with as much Mm -hmm. as skincare. So if you could work with a brand to make their design more cohesive, which would you choose? We're not going to force you to choose a beauty (laughs) brand. You don't have to go there. But who could um, use that cohesiveness that Schoolhouse is good about providing? Well, I think you know, we're, we love like honoring stories and equities. And I think that's why we do such good partnerships and work with heritage brands, because it's not like, oh, this doesn't work anymore. We're going to throw it out. It's about how do we take yeah. everything that works on the table and just serve it up in a different way. And hearing this, this question, I, I think more about like a category and that would be like pharmaceuticals, because I think, oh, yes. you know, they have an opportunity to step out of that, like kind of normal parodied par- presentation. And you know, they have also an opportunity to tell a heavier story and a deeper story. And I don't think it's actually going there. 
um, you know, it's still like butterflies across the screen and like, are you sad? And I'm on a bench and oh no. Um, you know, so I think, you know, look at Casper, their ability to kind of leap over the dull conversation of mattress springs and build a whimsy world of sleep. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, pharmaceutical brands, they're taking on very technical scientific conversations, but it doesn't have to be served in the same way. And I would love to get my hands on that space and sort of bring it to a more emotive, value-centric life. That seems like such a lost opportunity, pharmaceuticals. I'm thinking about it now because it's the most emotional space ever, like being sick, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's, but it's so robotic in terms of the, it's like, <laughs> we're all sitting here watching RuPaul's Drag Race and like, we have to watch the pharmaceutical commercial. So like, <laughs> might as well like make it relevant to who we are as people versus yeah. like, you know, talk about it in an unemotional way. Jess, it goes back to remember I was like raising a wand to a joint pain thing and we were just joking that you could picture the commercial with like the pain waves radiating radiating yeah. out of my knee, the same graphics <laughs> that they always do. Yeah, yeah. like market to me, people. Bolts. I'm ready for like that overhaul. It's an excellent <laughs> idea. Yeah. Okay, we've got one from Gretchen. Let's keep on the design tip, okay? Where do you seek okay. out these new trends? You know, we try to sort of leap over trying to replicate the trend that's happening because obviously you'll always be a follower versus a leader. And, you know, we, we generally are looking at anything and everything we can get our hands on. You know, you always look back in history to see if there's things that are relevant that can be pulled forward. Um, our team specifically, we're always pulling like architectural references or like art references that we bring into the work. You know, I think it's that cliche at inspiration is everywhere, but it's, it's very true. You know, you, you don't, have to be in a, a gallery to be inspired. Um, and I also think for us, a lot of inspiration does come out of that initial story. Um, and we love to bring elements of personalization into branding work that ties back to the story um, in unconventional ways. And the consumer might not ever know that, but it lives so deeply in the brand that it's it's hard to remove those things. So when you say in, in the story, like in the brand's original story, you're saying? Yeah, exactly. Like we're working with uh, a startup brand and um, I can't mention who the celebrity is, but we found that she always wore a certain color going to school and she doesn't wear that color anymore, but it was the only color that was a part of her life for 18 years. And so we brought it in as one of her primary colors. And it's things like that where it has a deep connection to the founder. It has then a deep connection to the brand by association. And it's less like, oh, I like this. Oh, I don't like that. But it's really like deeply rooted. It's like and we love pulling things out like that. Very cool. All right. Last one from Megan. What's one major lesson in business that you had to learn the hard way? Oh, my God, Megan. Are you trying to embarrass me? <laughs> um, um all right, so I'll 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 give you the the down and dirty. I'm I'm not going to make myself look good saying this, and and that's okay. Um, I think you know it is your job to join the party. When I was younger, and and I've propelled myself quite quickly through all of this, so I'm you know quite young to have a business, and as an executive, I was young, and so I always found myself sort of surrounded by people a little bit my senior. Um, but when I started at Fresh, which was the last job that I had. You know, I really came in with this attitude that I was here to save the day and it absolutely blew up in my face. And the first six months of my four years there were absolutely terrible. 
And I even had a, con- a, co- a phone call conversation with someone on the leadership team saying, you know, this might not even be for you. And it was the first time that it really hit me that, you know, it is your job to come and pull a seat up at the table and to be open, to listen to other people and to find your voice amongst those people. Um, It's not everyone else's job to, you know, shut up and listen to you. Mm -hmm. And when you start to learn that in, in how you lead people, in how you collaborate with other people, in how you manage upwards... It, it automatically opens up the power um, for yourself to move move projects forward and for you to move forward. And so, you know, like I said, it's your job to join the party. It's not everyone else's job to invite you over. You know, so you always have to remember you have the power and it's your responsibility to use it in a way that benefits everyone else and yourself. Oh, it sounds like a new Marvel movie. Who is the superhero? It's like the beauty superhero. <laughs> well, all I can tell you is he secret- has beautiful glowing skin. <laughs> Okay, that is a, glowing skin. His skin just glows, and it just it just demolishes everyone around him. And he's very democratic in the workplace, and everybody <laughs> wants to be on like a a breakout group with him. I like this guy. You're so wise, Chris. We have to give you our fat mascara questionnaire because I just need to hear what your answers are going to be. This is our speed round. The five questions we always ask our guests. Um, so first up, what is the first beauty or grooming product that you fell in love with? Oh my God, that's so easy. I had <laughs> terribly oily skin. I was very acneic and you know this was 80s 90s so i fell in love with the biore pore strips and the proactive cleanse tone repair all three steps woo i was in theater so i had you might not know this the airspun loose powder it's like a 1930s yes. formula the cody it was cody yes. and that, like gold yes. so like being oily as a young person you want to look matte and so i would do anything that i could to look matte including using a 1930s powder on my face wait did chris did you wear it to school like the cody of course i did <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picturing you like at the halls, just like perfectly matte. It wasn't even a compact. It was like a chunky little. No, like, it was like you were like flowers. in some film noir, yeah, kind of, like powdering your face before school. <laughs> Wait, did you keep some in your locker? Did you keep like an extra one in school? Because no, I didn't was, travel look, this well. This was the South. I was <laughs> not. I was not was. about to keep airspun in my locker. Um, <laughs> but I definitely, you know, I was that 7 a.m. bus. I was powdered for the gods by the time I hit that bus. I love you so much. <laughs> okay, next. What's your favorite ice cream flavor? Oh, vanilla. I, I'm just, I'm a vanilla person. I love vanilla. <laughs> You're not vanilla, I but am. it's okay to love vanilla. <laughs> What's a song that gets you pumped up, like either to go out or go tackle a big project? I love Robin. So Call Your Girlfriend by Robin is my go-to jam. <laughs> and obviously her Honey album like gets me through anything and everything. And I know that this is a professional interview, but I just want to say Chris can hit the floor when he listens to some (laughs) Robin. He can do some worm. Like, Uh, let's just say I might know the entire music video. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) Including flipping myself over on the floor. Oh, we're going out dancing when this is all over, guys. But I can't wear the powder while I do it because it'll create a huge smoke cloud. (laughs) Cody Airspun, just like fog machine going out. I love it. Great visual. Everyone in the club starts coughing. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. How do you relax, Chris? I love playing video games on my iPad, and I have the most Southern game that you could probably get on the iTunes app store. And it's called Swamp Attack. 
<laughs> and basically, there's a large man sitting on a porch <laughs> trying to save a large man <laughs> save his house from the alligators. <laughs> okay. We do. I like how your accent came out a little when you were talking. Do you about shoot it. Yeah. these alligators? Is this like one of these like violent video games? No, it's it's very cartoonish and it's like so not real. There's like aliens okay. that come, you know, because in the South we all believe in aliens. <laughs> okay, so it's like Candy Crush, but with weird Southern stuff flying at you instead of candy. Exactly, and you got to crush exactly. it. Okay, this I is love so it. funny. All right, last question, which we ask everyone. Right now, what would you like to raise a wand to? Oh my goodness. Um, well, I have always loved the Orbe shampoo, signature shampoo that's been my jam. Um, fresh sugar lip balm, an oldie but a goodie. Um, but more recently, I've, I've been trying the Necessaire body serum, which is like a super- I have too. It's a super cool format. I, I actually really love it. And then obviously their body moisturizer is really- really nice and um and then i kind of went on this weird like chanel skincare like craze and i've been trying <laughs> their like le lift and hydra beauty which is like i don't know where that how i got hooked on this but it's been like really fun do you like it i like it yeah you feeling more youthful i feel le lifted <laughs> <laughs> le lifted, not just lifted, le lifted. lifted. Well, look at, looking good even on this this weird Zoom call. Chris, thank you. Thank you both. Thanks, thank Chris. Thank you so much. Hang in there, everybody. We'll get through this together. Thanks for listening. Our show is produced by Atwill Media. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Fat Mascara. Go to fatmascara.com to get a link to our private Facebook group and hit us up. If you have a beauty question, you can send it to us at info at fatmascara.com. We'd love if you send us a voice memo. We also want to hear your reason wands send those to the same address info at fatmascara.com and if you like what you're hearing please leave us a review on itunes just throw us some stars